Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, we might have to change our uh, our intro tagline here in, in a little bit um, as there's not going to be a Ryan Field to tailgate in the West lot of in much longer. Um, demolition scheduled for next week uh, is the beginning of demo, uh, which is was a really cool little bit to, to pop across the news feed. And it's like, okay, we're doing it. And like all of that extra added paperwork got through it and you know everything is everything's now moving and we'll see we'll see if that delay like changes anything as far as the you know the end time the start time if we're going to be able to get back in there for 2026 but uh we got it started and like so much of the process right it's not happening the way we want it to happen but it is happening and that's the most important thing right i feel like that's been like a theme through this whole thing where it's like now we've got what we want is a giant explosion, and to watch in the in the in a span of minutes as the entire thing is reduced to rubble in some spectacular display that we can all gather around and watch. Instead, right now we've got some dumpsters around there. They kind of have some stuff in them. They're gonna get around, to starting to take it down. It's gonna go down piece by piece, and we all know why. And you know, but it is it's happening, right? Like you said, the important thing is that it's happening. Did you uh, did you go up and take one last look this past weekend, John, as we were on our way back from our, our lead story of the evening? I did not. I did not. Um, I probably should have stopped by and wished the old girl a final to do. But a part of that is, again, because like the start of demo does not mean what it means in so many other places, right? Like, I mean, like, we're, for something that we'll get to later in the pod, right, is probably the next time that I'll be getting up to campus, and then I'll probably swing by, and, you know, this thing is going to be coming down for a while, I think. I think four months is is how long it's going to take him to take it down yeah. piece by piece, by piece, is what I read in the article, but... Uh, are, are are they putting the pieces into a museum? What do you mean four months? Yeah, no, like they there, there's no explosion. There's no demo. There's no pyro. They're taking it apart piece by piece. They're like watering down all the pieces so there's no dust that gets in the air. Oh, wonderful! Can they can can they spread foam chips around the whole thing so that not nary a block makes a sound as it hits the ground? What more can we do? Can we let's put pillows? We'll surround surround the whole thing with pillows. Every single piece can follow pillowy soft to the ground. Amazing. Maybe just use a hammer oh and a chisel as just slowly chisel it down. Mm-hmm. Good God. Anyway, it's gonna happen. It's happening. All right. It's what's it, happening. She just grit our teeth. I can't. I. I. I I have no words. I don't even like. You can't even make this up. This, like you, this is not even a joke that you could have constructed. That that Evanston would make a noise ordinance and a dust ordinance. <laughs> what cause cause this? To, like the noise of the trucks. Like do the people that live around there realize that they're going to hear the beeping, the incessant beeping of construction vehicles now for four months instead of like two days of noisy shit when they blow stuff up how stupid are these people they're real what, stupid what i want i want david braun beep 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 yeah. beep 
beep. Merry effing Christmas, you idiots. What I'm looking for is David Braun to push the detonator, detonating the entire thing in a massive fire explosion as Ario Speedwagon Live plays Ride in the Storm Out <laughs> with, the, with the amplifiers turned up to 11 in front of a cheering crowd. That's what I'm looking for. But sadly, dumpsters, blue dumpsters and a slow teardown is, is what we're looking at. So somebody call Mayor Daly's Miggs Field team and just like, explain that this is a security <laughs> this be, risk. This could be done by tomorrow morning. Really what are we could, doing? Yeah. Good lord. But it, it's happening, and you know we still have not heard yet from the athletic department where we're going to be playing the next few uh, years. Um, you know all of the all the buzz that I'm hearing, and you know this is anecdotal at best. And you know we talked about it. Uh, we talked about it the past few weeks, but it sounds like there's going to be a number of games at SeatGeek Stadium, which again for me is fantastic. It's a, it's you know right it's right down the road, and uh, it's a pain in the ass for anyone coming from Evanston, but uh, you know I I will I will take the shorter commute as as well. My family will enjoy that me not being stuck in traffic for two hours after after a football game. Hey, I'm going to take the shorter commute from from Cincinnati to one Hell of these yeah. games. Hell yeah! Uh, so like anybody complaining about coming from Evanston can call me. Um, yeah, so SeatGeek Stadium, probably a few games at Soldier Field. Uh, Wrigley will probably get a game a year, I would imagine, you know, in November. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's happening. And, you know, I'm sure everyone will will see the news when it drops. I mean, like, season ticket orders are going out soon. If they have, like, they need to get those out soon, and they need to have something concrete. Um, so I, I guess we'll we'll have to see how that all progresses. The event I was alluding to earlier um, was Hockey Day in Evanston. Uh, Northwestern Hockey hosting a, a four-team tournament. Um, John and I went along with my kids on Saturday where uh, Northwestern took on Indiana. And what an incredible time. So, like, this is the first time I'd been to Robert Crown since they redid it. Um, the last time I was there because we were skating. I was going to say the photos you guys sent looked a lot different than the uh, adult instructional beer league that you and I used to play in in the early aughts. Completely. Like, that is no more. I, I drove up and like, oh, wait, this is not the part. I completely blew past the parking lot because it wasn't what I was expecting. And it's like, it is a gorgeous facility just right off the hop. Two full sheets of ice. There's a library in there. It's it, incredible. It's, do, you, do you think? Do you think? Do you think they used pillows when they did the demo to, uh, <laughs> to rebuild Robert Crown? Guaranteed, they did. Absolutely. I, yeah. The it, I will say th- that venue is such that Sam and I, by the third period, were having conversations like, "Could a Northwestern just have a D one hockey team and just play here? It seems like it's a good enough venue." And we we're kind of looking around, and it's like, "Yeah, it wouldn't be a full surround stadium, but it's a." big block of seats and i think we all know that present northwestern basketball games accepted um northwestern doesn't exactly have a history of packing the house for athletic venues there are more than enough seats and i mean i I think what what was at this event because of the event i think it was more crowded than normal it wasn't a totally northwestern partisan crowd but there was a pretty good overall crowd and and just from the amount of people that were there, it was a great environment. If it was packed with Northwestern fans, it'd be a phenomenal environment. But regardless, I, I think 
the venue, like there were multiple things that led that lended themselves to. We always talk about this desire to have D one hockey at some point, but let me tell you, the team Northwestern's got right now is extremely fun to watch and an extremely good time that sits right next to any other Northwestern sporting experience that you'll have. It was just so much flipping fun. And as I will always, I will, you know, this is a hill I will die on. If you don't like hockey, go to a game. Oh, go to 100%. a game live. And, you know, John, was this, that was like your first, one of your first hockey games you've been to? Oh, yeah. I haven't been to a hockey game in forever. You two are the diehards, but not me. But, like, how much better is it live than it is on TV? Oh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And, again, Obviously, for you guys or any other diehard NHL fans or even Division One college hockey fans, you're going to be like, there's like a huge difference here between what we'd be seeing and what we're seeing with this team. I guess. At the same time, I'm telling you, we watched really high-quality hockey. It was great hockey to watch. Um, it was... Indiana versus Northwestern. So, I mean, there was Indiana, there, you know, it was Indiana. And yeah, Indiana, I think, also has a D1 team. And this was not their D1 team, but it's still Indiana. No, Indiana doesn't have, I mean, they're not in, they're not D1. They're not, they're not in the Big Ten. Because I think they have like a couple, I think they have at least one team that was a level above this team, I think, because I did kind of a deep dive into the, um, the, I'm going to blank, is the AHCA, um, I'm I'm gonna get it wrong, but the the level of hockey that we were watching, which is basically D three level hockey, and but I mean when you look at the the quality of the venue, which is it's a very impressive venue, the fact that we're playing Indiana, and I mean look, is it D one? Is it D one? Is it Northwestern versus Indiana in Big Ten basketball? No. Was I watching Indiana people walk across my face to sit in the stands and getting pissed off during the game? Absolutely, yes, I was. <laughs> like, like when it's a Big Ten team, like you don't need to know the stakes. You're watching the other people, and you're be like, like son of a bitch. Like I'm already mad. I'm watching the other fans come in and take their seats. I'm already pissed off. Every bone in my Big Ten body is locking into place right now, and I'm ready to root on the Cats. And then. I feel like we've mentioned this before. Our team has some of the greatest jerseys any team has ever worn. And they, they, they were they were on full display on Saturday. I mean, and, and you know, it's the same ones you all saw us wearing at the football games every year this year. It's those Chicago-style jerseys. They're unreal. So that all lended to the effect of, like, this is an awesome environment. It feels like big-time hockey. It's northwestern Indiana and... You know, and like it's so easy to watch, right? I mean, and we paid five bucks to get in, and that was for the entire event for the day. If we wanted to stay for the late game, we could have stayed for the late game. Um, yeah, it was awesome experience. So I'm just like I'm just doing some real quick Google work here um, as you guys are talking, and so it looks like the Robert Crown Center has fixed seat- seating for 970 spectators, so they can surely get like more than that in. That given tracks, they've got some yeah. standing room viewing gallery, et cetera. Looking at um, all the other current arenas in NCAA Division One, um, obviously this would be like one of the smallest, if not the smallest, but um, there's a couple on here. So, um, oh gosh, where did it go? So uh, the Hart Center in, in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, where Holy Cross plays, uh, seats 1,400. 
Mercyhurst Ice Center in Erie, PA, which hosts uh, Mercyhurst, um, 1,500 seats. There was one that was 900 in here. Where did it go? Uh, Seawolf Sports Complex in Anchorage, uh, 900. So, like, it's... It's right. not preposterous. And, well, and and there's the general theme too, right? That like dovetails right to the stadium renovation that we just finished talking about, right? Where there's definitely a view within Northwestern community of like, let's set capacity at a low level, see if we hit it, and then we can talk about expanding, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. that, like you, like to your point, like you could easily have that place full or half full with Northwestern people, and let me tell you, it'd be a phenomenal environment. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, regardless, it was it was just a ton of fun. And Wildside came out. Um, it certainly wasn't like one of the basketball crowds, but it was that diehard core group of Wildside people. Yeah. Uh, Ma- that, major that shout outs to them. I mean, that was a, it was a great group, like 15, 20 people. Right. And I mean, like that doesn't sound like many, but I was actually thinking about that because I was thinking back to. The Minnesota football game, the Penn, the beginning of the Penn State game, right? And I think, like, the Minnesota game, there was the talk about, oh, like, this crowd is, like, small, but, like, those who were there saw this, like, unbelievable thing. And I think we really feel passionate about that because I think we know, and I think a lot of you know, too, that we all want those huge numbers, those amazing crowd numbers that Northwestern basketball is getting night to night at home right now. But I think if you're listening to this pod, there's a really good chance that you're part of the group where, like, you were one of those people trying to drum up support and you were part of that small group that when you were at Northwestern, it meant a huge deal to you and that we always wish that the numbers were bigger, but you know that that core group of Northwestern student supporters is like, I'll take that core group over any other core group in the country. They just are so dialed in. And that was the core group that like showed up. It's like that core group of the wild side. That's wild side leadership and all that stuff. And like they were into it 110%. And not only were they into it, we were all watching the hockey and had the, fo- you know, they had their phones out tracking the basketball game at the same time. And I mean, it was, everyone was just dialed in and, and rooting like hell for Northwestern in general. Uh, back and forth game too. I mean, you know, Indiana jumped out to an early lead. Uh, they got Indiana had a lot of power play time in the first period. Um, very one sided uh, officiating, I thought, at least early on. Cats um, scored two which, real which quick. Which was noticed. Which was noticed by members of the Wild Side. Oh yeah, loudly, loudly noticed. Cats <laughs> um, scored a couple real quick to, to jump back on the lead. Um, held on to that for a little while. Indiana came back, took the lead. Uh, Northwestern had a five on three for about a minute and 40 and couldn't score on that. Um, and then Indiana scored an empty netter with like a, a second left on the clock. So, I mean, you know, it, right. It, I mean, that wasn't like the tenor of the game, right? Like Northwestern had pulled the goalie and was searching for that final goal as the time ran out basically. Right. Yeah. And it, it was exciting. It, it, was, it was a lot. It was so much fun. Yeah. Ho- hockey live is the, it's the best sport live. Yeah. Like, but like bar none. I have hockey. I'm, I've, I've got hockey on right now in front of me and it's, um, but it's just not the same on TV. Um, I will say like, I, I was very bummed to miss, uh, this weekend's festivities. The, the originally was planning to come up for it. Um, I do not regret my decision as, as the reason is that my daughter had her very first piano recital, which was wonderful and beautiful and all those good things. But, um, Northwestern hockey is like atop my list of things that need to happen in the, in the future. So uh, we, we will get there. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like this, 
if you have it, it's a great venue. There's a ton of parking. It's easy to get in and out. You can drink there. Um, there's all the boxes that need Wait, to be Wait, what? Yeah. You can drink there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's what is, like, what is this magical haven called Evanston? <laughs> when, when did <laughs> there were what? It's I mean, and it's it's an awesome venue. So I mean, like again, like <clears throat> it is worth your time to look up the Northwestern hockey schedule and get out and watch a couple games. It's just fun. Like if you like if you're like I wish Northwestern had D1 hockey. This will give you all the things that you're looking for from that experience. Like everything hey, you want, you'll get. And, and hey, if you wish that Northwestern had D1 hockey, show up at a bunch of these games so that you can like they can start making the case that hey, because the, the number the number one expense is the stadium, and if they've got a viable venue that they can use, where apparently they also sell alcohol. I don't know that they centrally sell located. Like you can bring alcohol in. At least that was my that was my read, and I definitely saw people imbibing. So like that was my read on the situation. Oh. I don't know that they were uh, selling alcohol there. I'm not. I'm not. Well, okay. Um, and I I just also got a shout out on our way out of the stadium, walking to our cars. We saw a guy in a north uh, a, a brand new Northwestern jersey, just moved to the Chicagoland area from South Louisiana, loves hockey, heard about this game, and came and supported the local team. Like, shout out to that guy. That's awesome. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. it was, And he was awesome. And he was like, yeah, I heard this was a thing. I wanted to check it out. Saw some great hockey. I mean, it was like, it, it seriously is. Like, all everything. Like, just go. Just go. Somebody buy up. that man a beer, or or maybe smuggle that man a beer into the stadium. I don't. Know. I'm not sure what the what the read is based on what John just said a second ago. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I don't want to get myself in trouble. I'm I'm just saying I saw people drinking. Is what I'm saying. Well, so. And there was a sign on the door on on like leading out into the in the main lobby. It said no alcohol beyond this point. So it's like this isn't a. It's not a secret. Oh. Like. Sweet. It's sanctioned yeah. in some way, shape, or form. It, I mean, it's recognized. So, like, yeah. And shout out to Ari Lifshitz, to Northwestern Hockey's coach, who we finally got to men- meet in person. Um, we've obviously had a lot of great interaction with him online <clears throat> prior to this point, but finally got a chance to meet him in person. He is an awesome guy who is doing everything he can to build and grow this team. Um, and... I think, as we've said a million times, all you have to do is look at the quality of the uniforms they're playing in to know how much effort he's putting in here. So go out and support this team. Like, if you love the Wildcats, go out. I mean, you like you won't have to be told twice. You'll have such a good time. Like, you'll be telling everyone else to do the exact same thing. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. Speaking of good times, um, want to mention real quick, we've got a, a special announcement uh, coming up, uh, courtesy of our, our good friend Jay Sharman uh, with Teamworks Media. Uh, this is our, our, our weekly sponsored, uh, like the post segment, with sponsored by Teamworks Media. But it's a little bit different tonight um, as we are announcing a 
an incredible event coming up on Tuesday, February 13th. Uh, it's Westlaw Pirates and Lake the Posts partnering up for Northwestern Night at the Archives. Uh, this is going to be at Deering Library. Uh, there are only 39 slots available, and, and there's, there's a reason for that. If you are interested in coming, email J, J at teamworksmedia.com uh, to, to get in on, on this. This is going to be an absolutely incredible evening, incredible event. Um, Kevin Leonard is, uh, he curates a series of artifacts for uh, the Northwestern Library. You want to talk, uh, John and I, we, we've met him before. You want to just sit down and talk Northwestern history. This is a guy who, you know, he he's an archivist. That, that's what he does. And like to have that sort of uh, just general knowledge of Northwestern and the history and everything behind it, he's going to be you know a part of that. Um, he's retiring, and uh, you know he he wants to share that experience. The the what is Northwestern and the history of Northwestern sports, um, and and that's that's going to be part of this uh, part of this amazing event. Hosting co-hosting the night. Uh, Big Ten Network's Dave Revson, which is awesome. Um, you know, he's he wrote a book uh, called "The Opening Kickoff." Uh, he's you know talks back in the early 1900s and how you know what some of the issues that were around college football back then that you're still seeing to this day. So you know the, the amateurism versus professionalism, uh, player safety, all of those things, which are like I said, very much in the forefront of. Uh, of our discussions these days were in the discussions in the, in the zeitgeist back in the early 1900s. So uh, Dave wrote this book. Uh, he's going to be at this event uh, talking with, uh, with Kevin and with everyone else who's able to be there. Um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be an incredible event. Uh, I, I mentioned 39 people will, will be coming. This is kind of, uh, a, a fun little number, you know, if you're into sort of numerology and things like that. The first ever Final Four, right? The NCAA Final Four held at Patton Gymnasium, 1939. Um, 30, it, the the attendance at the sold out attendance at Walsh Ryan Arena, 70,039 uh, for that uh, for that Final Four. Um, it's also the the number the fire marshal is allowing, but that's neither here nor there. 39 people uh, will be able to be there. Um, we will be there. Either John or I or both uh, will be there. Uh, Jay will be there. It's going to be an, an incredible evening, an incredible event, and I'm so excited. So uh, email Jay, jay at teamworksmedia.com, um, and you know we'll, we'll get everything figured out from there. There will be dinner. There will be food provided, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really really cool. And like if if you love Northwestern, if you love the history of Northwestern, and you want a, an incredible evening talking to some amazing people, uh, this is this is a this is an amazing opportunity. It's so cool from my perspective. <clears throat> it takes us back to the Purdue game. Purdue won, as we're all calling right. it now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Purdue won for. Sam and I started with us talking with Kevin Leonard before the game and just picking his brain. He's amazing. The kind of guy where you can be like, tell me about the era Parsegan era at Northwestern. 
And he'll just walk you through the ups and the downs, be like, yep, here's what he was doing. Here were the issues that he was dealing with. And here's how the discussions were going that he was having with Northwestern administration. And here's that. And you go, wow, you are, you know this. The stuff that, that I think we all have questions rolling around in the back of our heads. This is Kevin is the guy who has the answers to this. And we started that day with him answering a lot of those questions. <clears throat> and Sam and I ended that day talking with Dave Revson midcourt after the fans had stormed the, the court. It was a, quite a day. So for me and for both of us, I think it's very much a special return to that day. But yeah. I mean, what an opportunity to get an amazing piece of an amazing access to history, right? Between people who really care and to be part of a community that is like, that I think, you know, we've talked to a lot of you who are really, really care about the history and the roots and all the different events and in and outs and things that have led Northwestern to exactly where we are today. Um, It's an opportunity to just like discuss and enjoy all of that stuff. I think it's also what we feel like you know, from from our podcast is where we it's the unique niche that that, that we're able to fill, and that the, the the three of us have been Northwestern fans for twenty some years. Um, it allows us to bring, I think, what we what what we hope is that it, it, you know we're bringing a bit more perspective than the than the typical you know radio recap or uh, game recap you can find on on uh, on ESPN etc because we we do have that that history and that and that context um going back and so this 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 really feeds uh, our brains and our our mantra as we think about how we interact and engage with with you all as fans and with Northwestern sports so yeah uh Tuesday February 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Deering Library email j j at teamworksmedia.com and we will work out all of the details so uh, Northwestern Night at the Archives. It's going to be a really, really good time. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep talking about it as we get a little bit closer. But uh, it, yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm so excited for this. I'll mention too. I've read Revson's book. I, I own it. It's spectacular. It's so interesting. Um, especially, it talks a lot about University of Chicago, right? And um, uh, the Maroons, which obviously are no longer part of the Big Ten, but um, I'm forgetting the name of the the uh, the coach there. But um, oh, I thought you were going to say Jay Burwanger, first Heisman no. Trophy winner. <laughs> no, but what 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 I was going to say is like those guys were damn cheaters, um, and uh, <laughs> but every everyone was at the time. But it's it's pretty interesting. Like some of the some of the rules that exist, some of the most common rules that exist today in football, like the idea of, of um, a player not moving forward toward the lines of, toward the line of scrimmage um, when the ball is snapped. Some of these rules are rooted in some of the stuff that um, Dave talks about in his book. It's just, it's really fascinating. They, they didn't tell that to, to Canada, eh? Yeah, right. They're Canadian well, football. Knows, everyone can kn- move forward at the, at the snap. Who knows what those, who knows what those rules are? I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't, get inside the mind of a Canuck. I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Nor should you. Uh, but in, in, in any case, it's, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great time. So Jay at teamworksmedia.com uh, for all the details and uh, to get, to get this party started. So moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the other game that happened on Saturday. Uh, the basketball game where Northwestern went to Nebraska and uh, you know it was it was a tight one. It was a tight one until you know it was a real back and forth affair. 
Um, obviously, John and I were not able to watch the game very much, very well. Uh, we, you know, we were kind of looking over the shoulder at someone's phone while the hockey game was going on in front of us. But um, Scuzz, you were able to, you know, kind of take that whole thing in. Um, what'd you see? Well, I, well, and I guess, I guess, similar to last week, we we should talk about the game before this yeah, too. Yeah, no, right, Northwestern. Sure. Northwestern beat Maryland on Wednesday. Um, I mean, talk about a back and forth game. That one was was um, extremely back and forth. Looking at the game flow chart of that game, it looks like a double helix. I don't think that any team was as far away as what three points from the other for the entire game. It was wild. I mean, like like I I feel like the term double helix almost implies more space between the two the <laughs> yeah, two scores fair, than fair. than was than it, was real line. right like a solid line I mean, is what it looked like <laughs> the 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 largest lead I can find in the entire game was a six point Northwestern lead that lasted for all of. Um, 43 seconds um so i mean th- this game was was very back and forth um both teams uh were were scoring pretty effectively um you had uh the the guard young um jameer young from maryland just just incredible and he and boo were going to head to head um especially like down the stretch just matching each other uh play for play the the very last two plays boo um took young off the dribble kind of surprisingly like a little like earlier in the clock than you would have thought got got to the baseline and scored on a layup to to give northwestern the lead and then um at the other end he marked young uh did a spectacular job guarding him forced you know uh, a contested shot that young missed and um northwestern won the game and it just it really this this was this was a hallmark boo booey performance down the stretch. He was really really good. Um, Barnheiser had a really nice game. I think I think you know as a theme we we saw Barnheiser making some moves in the Wisconsin game. Again in this game, you know when we talk about Nebraska, he he was he was exceptional in the in the Nebraska games. We're really, we're really starting to see him um, emerge uh, as this season goes on. But um, but it was a, a great win for Northwestern again. You know coming off that really tough loss at Wisconsin, kind of proving the rule about home court um, in the Big Ten right now, especially for the Cats when they get that home court support. And, uh, yeah, just a really nice nice win over over, over a Maryland team that, um, you know, Northwestern on paper should should beat, and, uh, and they were able to get it done. Yeah, I think the common theme, right, between that game into the Nebraska game, if you know, one of the common themes was <clears throat> overall the Cats – as a team, the shots have not been falling for the last two games. It's just they're, they've, from end to end, have not been hitting. The difference was right. Like, Boo was locked in down the stretch of the game against Maryland. And as we talked about during the Maryland game, I mean, the Maryland game was a almost a textbook example of how you win a basketball game when your shot's not falling, right? Because that was the way it was for most of the game. And like the Cats did it with grit. They did it with an unbelievable defensive effort. Um, it was just Ele- 11 offensive rebounds to only right. six from yeah. Maryland. Right. They actually like had one of, you know, to watch, given the, the issues we know Northwestern's had on the glass, particularly the offensive glass this season, it was a really great performance. And yeah, Young had this transcendent game. So it's like, 
how do you win a game when you can't hit and the other guy, the other team has a guy who's having a transcendent game? The exact way that they did. They played awesome, dogged overall team defense. They never gave up, and their leaders stepped up, um, boo, and and came through down the stretch. And and I, I, I hasten to mention. Young had these last two shots, and right before he missed that shot that Scuzz talked about, he hit this preposterous three um, and that Ty Berry perfectly defended him on. And everyone was like, after the one, being like, oh, you know, for Boo to play a game like that and have, you know, and play defense like that on that final shot. And I was like, Berry did the exact same thing on the thing, on the play right before. It's just the kind of game Young was having. He just pulled this ridiculous shot out of his butt at the end of, you know, on his penultimate possession. But, you know, and, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll go into the Nebraska game in a second, but it definitely does underscore that, like, look, like, it's a knockdown drag out every, every game in this conference. And, right, like, against, you know, it's Maryland, right? Like, is this one of the greatest Maryland teams ever? No, but it's Maryland basketball. They have one of the best guards in the country, Jameer Young, um, who is having an unbelievable game. And, just through dogged effort, defense, and an awesome home atmosphere, the Cats had enough to pull it out. And that needs to be the formula every single week for every single home game to get Northwestern where they need to go. Well, th- this is how thin the margin is, right? So against right. Maryland, down the stretch with that grit, etc. one of the other things that the Cats did a really good job, they took care of business at the stripe. 81.8% from the three-throw stripe, 18 of 22, and they only missed four. Against Nebraska... 11 of 17. They missed six free throws, 64%. I think, I think you know, hitting three three more free throw shots probably changes the very end of this of this Nebraska game, the complexion of it. Um, I'm not saying that that's the win, but that, that, that margin feels meaningful to me. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and the, it's the tight margins, right? Because, I mean, I know we'll go into it because Scuzz was able to watch this game a lot closer than we were. But, I mean, it's you can go through and be like, look, like, Boo had problems that were not characteristic of his season that, that you know, were, were real problems, and they were real things that Nebraska did. And Northwestern had these overall problems, and there was a back-breaking play at the end of the game. And there are all these overall things. And then alongside it, there's also Nebraska's obviously really, really good and they were playing in front of a raucous home crowd in front of whom they've already beaten Purdue this year, and this is just what the top half of the conference was going to look like, and it is what it is. I mean, and again, it's like we will go through and identify like what went wrong for Northwestern in this game, but let's give Nebraska their credit because they look like a good team in a good conference right now. And, I mean, like that home field, the home court advantage for them is – is real. I mean, they knocked off Purdue at home as well. So, right. You know, we we've talked about how home court is just really, really meaningful this season already in in the Big Ten. So, you know, it's going to be hard to go anywhere and win. Yep, it is. It is. So, I mean, I guess Sammy, getting to your initial, you know, comment, like w- watching this game, I think it's um, it's a game where Northwestern, you know, didn't have their A game. They, they were they were hitting from three early on, but. I'll be honest. The offense felt um, kind of chaotic and and inconsistent all game. When you, when you look at the game chart and how things progressed, like you really see that kind of borne out. There were a, a, a couple of different stints where Northwestern struggled to score. And at the heart of that is that 
Nebraska did an incredible job on Boo Booey. So Bryce Williams, um, their guard, and then I think Jamarcus Lawrence was mark or Jamar- yeah, Jamarcus Lawrence was was marking him as well at one point. But like any time that Boo drove, the entire Nebraska team just collapsed on him in a way that um, really I felt disrupted what has been the primary kind of starting point for Northwestern's offense this season. And it just made um, it, it, it limited Boo's ability to create. On top of that, Nebraska was just extremely active on defense across the board. They were in everyone's face. Um, there were, you know, open passes, skip skip passes. Those just the things. Just there, there, there just was like Northwestern had just very little time and space on the offensive side. And all credit to Nebraska for for. The, the way they played, the energy with what they played, the tenacity with which they played, I think that was a huge factor. Um, and by the same token, you got to give Northwestern credit for getting in the mix, being physical with this team. Um, Nicholson, Barnheiser in particular, uh, was just he was he was like possessed in this game the way he was uh attacking and diving for balls and just winning with with pure effort um and that that effort in the second half got got northwestern back into like they tied the game up having they were down 11 they they'd fallen down i think 8 and got close and then fell down by 11 points with what 9 minutes to play and over the next 3 minutes to the 6 6 and a half minute mark of this game uh they they went on a 10-0 run and and came within 1 point which they then eventually tied on a free throw shot by Langborg uh, uh, a little while later. But from the six and a half minute mark to the three and a half minute mark, neither one of these teams scored at all. And during that segment, Northwestern missed several shots, good shots, a couple of threes that rimmed out. They, they just, they could not take the game and um, watching it, it. It did feel like, a missed opportunity, like like eventually Nebraska was gonna was gonna come back and hit a couple of haymakers, and they were able to down the stretch and ended up, um, you know, winning this one at home. But again, like again, I just I just come away from this game feeling like the margins in this conference are so so thin right now, and right. when you're on the road, it is damn near impossible to win if you don't play perfect. Right, and and that's. I think we've talked about before that we talked about this four-headed monster that we know Northwestern has from you know in in its four guards that it starts and how if those guys are all on there's no way you can stop them. Well, the flip side is this is maybe I mean Northwestern had two guys Barry and Bowie who were ice cold in this game. And the flip side is if you have two guys, those, I mean they were combined four for twenty-five from the floor, and it's going to be really really hard. And I mean I, I mean you could call that a nightmare shooting performance yeah. for those two guys combined and I, yet i also talked about free throws there's, there's probably about six free throw attempts that boo boo he didn't get to take in this game that yeah. maybe he should have that goes you know it goes a little bit to that home cooking but I, that that cuts both ways I, right. i'm sure that that's a, a factor at, at uh, welsh ryan as well right and, in the other direction i should say right and i mean like so like the flip side would be like look barry and Bowie went four for 25 in this game and yet Northwestern was down to needing a stop near the end of the game where had they got a, had they forced a miss, Northwestern would have had the ball and the chance to tie and win on the final possession of the game. And that's Siskaz's point about the margins. Now, the shot that Tominaga hit was an absolute rip-your-heart-out shot. And partly because I think for for me personally, it reminded me of a breakdown 
last season when we hosted Rutgers, when Pat Spencer's brother got the wide open three that effectively iced that game as well. And in both cases, you had a chain of events starting with confusion on pick and roll assignments leading to a guy, leading to, you know, in both cases, arguably the other team's best guy wide open for a shot. And Tillman, in in the case of Spencer, it was a situation where Rutgers point guard in that game, you know, they the postman came up and set a high screen for him. But there was confusion in terms of how much should Nicholson hedge up on that screen and how much should Bowie fight through. And effectively, Bowie fought through 100%. Nicholson hedged 100%. The postman immediately rolled off the screen, pivoted to the post where he was wide open and would have had a game-tying dunk. Chase had to go down and take him or it was a 100% shot and leave Pat Spencer's brother wide open for a three. And that's how that went down. In this case... It was just confusion between Barry and Langborg on a pick and roll situation um, on a you know a high screen in a you know crucial situation, and it led to Tominaga getting wide open on a play where he was shooting all the way. They drew up a play for him that was designed for him to set a screen, then immediately roll himself to a high screen that their big man was setting out at the arc. And he was going to do a catch and shoot. What he didn't know is that when he caught and shot, there was going to be no one guarding him. And that's what he did. And he hit the shot. So it's like there's that gut punch moment where you have that thing that triggers that thing in your brain where you're like, oh, another one of those. Then you have to remember, yeah. And you know what? That happened last season. You know what Northwestern did last season? Go to the tournament last season. Stuff like this happens. And discuss this point like... There's some damn good teams at the top of this at the top of this conference, and some of them are going to make plays. I think it's important to note, just like honestly, in praise of Tominaga, that like that he he took that shot from like three feet beyond the arc. Yeah, it was a, I mean, it was a it was a deep three. Now, it like to your point, it was by design. Um, but the fact big time player hitting a big time shot, like, yeah, hey. the fact that he hit that. I mean, that's like. Let's be honest. That's some Kalen Clark shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. so props, prop, props to him. I, I, I felt like at the end, I was like, man, all, all the credit to Nebraska because they, their, their effort on D, the way they navigated the game. I mean, like, there, there was that, that three minute segment I talked about how Northwestern got back in the game. Um, Bryce Williams was on the bench with three fouls during that segment, and the offense was able to operate a little bit better. He came back in the game and was able to shut Boo down again. And that's like, I, I don't, that's not a, a knock on Boo. They just did a really good job holding him in check. And again, credit to, to Fred Hoiborg, the, the coach in Nebraska, who I think has done a really good job. And credit to the guys on that team that are playing at a, at a really high level right now. How much is it's, it burned it, it, to say good things about Nebraska? In oh, basketball, well, not yeah, like yeah. it's not even remotely close. All right. But I mean, to, I mean, to like this might be the best Nebraska team of the entire Westlot Pirates podcast era, right? So it's like they're like Nebraska doesn't historically have teams like this, and they've got a good one. Um, and and also a special one, as we were kind of talking to, like Tominaga is not just an awesome player, he's an important player. This is a Japanese national in a you know, from a country that does not crank out big time basketball players playing unbelievable high division one basketball. I mean, this is the kind of guy where you every it's everything that's good about the game. You pray that a guy like this goes on to the next level. Right. And like makes a great impact in the pros. It's just, that's cool. 
And then like the flip side too, like the other thing that we were talking about where it's like that dose of perspective. It's like you look and you're like, oh man, like they really had a guy who shut Boo down and Boo had a really bad game. Like what if that kind of thing replicates? As every Big Ten coach yells at you, wow, thanks for the great idea. We'll just shut Boo Booey down (laughs) next time. Like we've been trying to do for four years. Thanks for the tip. Uh, It's, you know, it happens. Like this, this kind of thing happens. It's not going to be easily replicable, sadly, for every other Big Ten team because Boo is frigging incredible. So it's like it, y- you move on. Yeah. Now, that being said, like this does – I mean, Northwestern is definitely in a spot where they have the toughest stretch of their schedule coming up. Oh, yeah. It's Illinois, Ohio State, and at Purdue. And, I mean, Ohio State is is struggling right now. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of noise on – uh, I think they got smoked by by Nebraska tonight um, on the road. There's a lot of noise that they might be firing their coach, but um, that that game that's coming up weekend feels like a like a true must win. I think the Illinois game, which is as we're recording this on Tuesday, it's tomorrow night. I don't know if this podcast is going to be out in time for for the state, but I think I, I, it's as, it's as close to a must win as I can think of for for Northwestern if they if they have serious tournament aspirations. Um, and if they lose, I think there's you know there's still a chance they can get in, et cetera. But um, it's it especially given it's a home game with everything we've seen this season with the home road splits in the conference this feels like a like a massive a massive one that that you just you just got to get home game eight o'clock start um you know with i mean still the bad taste of the trip to champagne in your mouth a 30 point loss i mean you've got the crowd's gonna be hot oh the the wild side's gonna be it's gonna be ludicrous. Like those fans are gonna be up for that game like they've never been up for any game. I mean, and, and you say, yeah, what about the Purdue games? Yeah, what about the Purdue games? Those were Purdue games and those were huge seismic program historic wins. But this is our hated rival in basketball in a huge game at night in Welsh Ryan with one of the best student crowd that's ever been able to brought to to be brought to bear against our rival. It is going to be a madhouse. It's funny to talk about the the perspective too. It's funny I've I've kind of realized that over the past couple of weeks I've been settling into this yin and yang that is Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist, and Inside NU's Iggy Dowling, who at this point is the only Inside NU editor we have yet to have on this podcast. They sort of I, I find myself trying to sort of split the difference between those two as much as I can because Iggy, to his credit, is. I wouldn't say pessimistic, but he is incredibly being like, like y'all need to know what the Mountain West is doing right now. It's a historically good conference, and here's exactly how Chicago State is going to hurt us, and here's X, Y, and Z, and the Big Ten might only get this. And on the other hand, you have Joe Lenardi kind of throwing up his hands and being like, at the top half of the Big Ten, if you win your home games, I think you're good to go. Like, that's what they're – like, it's it's basically like like – he still has Purdue as the number one overall seed. And that's with taking two losses like to Northwestern and, and Nebraska on the road. And he's basically like, look, it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten this year. And if you lose on the road in the Big Ten, like I'm not going to hold it against you. And if you look at his projections for Northwestern week to week, he has he's good to his word. He's still like he's got Northwestern right around that like last four of what, like probably like a nine seed. Like and he's just had them there forever. And he's like, you know, and you he just be like, look, these top five, six teams in the Big Ten, if they all just beat each other up and they all just win their home games and lose their road games, that's going to be good enough. Um, and so where's the truth? 
somewhere in between those two things. And yeah, Northwestern has that horrific Chicago State loss. Northwestern also has that Purdue win. Northwestern also has that Dayton win, which is looking better and better and better. Dayton right now is looking like a top potentially 15 team in the country. So that's two huge chips Northwestern's got. So, I mean, my thinking is, look, at the end of the day, if Northwestern wins close to every home game, um, I think that's going to be enough to to take us where we want to go. But to Scuzz's point, like, yeah, you want to make that. You want to make one of those, this Titanic-Illinois matchup. And they're going to be wearing uh, the Chicago unis. Yep. I mean, like, it's you're really – you almost get nervous at the amount of juju we're stacking up, right? Wildside hasn't lost a game. Chicago unis haven't lost a game, right? It's like we're bringing all the guns out. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat Superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312-446-9435 or jay at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand's story. Any other news and notes before we uh, put a bow on this one? Yeah, one other thing, just a couple quick spring sports notes. Um, One, season tickets for softball just went on sale this week, and we said it on Twitter. We've said it before. We'll say it again. It's such a stupid good deal. Like, it's ludicrous. It's four bucks a game for 16 home games. That's how much Northwestern softball season tickets. That's for your two-time defending Big Ten champions, right? It's four bucks a ticket. It's one of those things where just like, Buy a season ticket and then just decide which games you want to go to. Like, again, like, we, we don't get anything. Like, we're not affiliated with the athletic department. I'm not chilling for you to generate revenue for the athletic department. I'm just – at Oklahoma – I mean, that's a bad example because it's Oklahoma. But look up Oklahoma. Look up UCLA. Look up any team that's won two straight conference championships in a major conference and look and see what their season tickets for softball is. It's going to be between 300 and 500 bucks. Um, and that's to start. So ridiculously good deal. Um, just that, you know, it's our duty to remind you. And then the other thing is, I feel like this will resonate with, um, Chicago Bulls fans, especially Chicago Bulls fans who were big fans in the nineties, because so the preseason lacrosse all America team came out and Northwestern has three first team preseason All-Americans, and it's pretty much what you'd expect. It's Izzy Skane, the best lacrosse player in the country. It's the conductor, Aaron Koykendall, and it is Sammy White, the MVP of the national championship game. Northwestern also has two non-first-team All-Americans in Maddie Taylor and Sam Smith. And I bring up the Bulls because this reminds me of when they gave Carl Malone an MVP one year <laughs> because otherwise Michael Jordan was just going to win it for another year in a row. We both know Maddie Taylor and Sam Smith are also first team All-Americans. And I very much expect that the postseason All-America list is going to look this. But 
I it really kind of feels like they didn't just want to make this entire Northwestern monster a first team preseason All American team. So it is what it is. We all know the score. It's like Sam Smith's one of the most physically dominant players in the country, and Madison Taylor was the Big Ten freshman. She was the Big Ten freshman of the year. She was also the Big Ten freshman of the week almost every single week of the season. This is the best young player in lacrosse, and she's you know. Again, it's like we knew the three who were going to be first team All-Americans. They didn't want to do more than three. And there you go. Um, but so it's just one more reminder of Lord have mercy, this this juggernaut. We are going to be rolling out uh, this spring for women's lacrosse is just ludicrous. T- Taylor, Taylor's stats were exceptional for any lacrosse player, let alone a freshman. Um, yeah, this team is this team is going to be a lot of fun. Looking definitely looking forward to uh to catching up with them uh as we get a little bit closer to spring and uh yeah exciting times um you know getting close to February here uh tip of keep tip of keep the- your heads everybody because it's because it's gonna get nerve wracking with this hoops team and just deep breaths faith in the team and just keep your keep your pulse low. And uh, one final tip of the cap to the old girl, um, Ryan Field, formerly known as Dyke Stadium. Uh, demolition begins early part of, or middle of next week. So, yeah, it, it big, big stuff's happening, and uh, we'll be here to talk about it. Uh, but that'll about wrap it up for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey.